Disclaimer, this podcast contains spoilers not only from Crescent City, but from Throne of Glass and A Court of Throne and Roses as well. Hi, I'm Casey. Hey, I'm Courtney, and welcome to the Page Wanderers podcast. We're just two best friends who talk all things books, so come wander through the pages with us. Today we're going to be talking about House of Sky and Breath, the second Crescent City book by Sarah J. Mass. Um, we're specifically talking about the prologue in chapters one through five, but if you have not read this entire book, please don't listen to this because we'll be pulling spoilers out from the rest of the book as well. Spoiler alert! <laughs> you have been warned. Thoroughly. If you've not read either of these books... Do not listen any further. Unless you like spoilers. If you like spoilers, then welcome. True. I like spoilers. I do not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to kind of break down a little bit of what happens in our prologue. So our story starts with a death camp breakout. Um, Sophie Renast is a Ophian rebel, which we learned is a rebel group in Pangera. And Sophie has been a part of that movement for three years. And she is breaking her little brother, Emil Renast, out of that death camp. Yes. Um, yeah, Kavala is where he's located. Um, he's been there for three years that he got taken when his their parents were both murdered. They apparently were rebels as well. Um, Sophie, the only reason we find out that she has joined the um, rebels is to find her brother, locate him, and bring him back. Yep, and Sophie, right before she went into the death camp, got some war-changing information, which we do kind of find out what is that is later in the books, but war-changing information that she held over the Ophian rebels to make sure they cooperated in getting her brother out, which is pretty ballsy because the Ophian rebels are ruthless. They're very ruthless, Um, but good thinking on her part. Um, to not give them everything that they wanted because I doubt they would have allowed her to go to Kabbalah to get her brother if she hadn't held something over their heads. Absolutely. She was too big of an asset to Pippa, who was a psychopath. Mm -hmm. Which, if I'm not mistaken, if you, you know, agree with me, let me know. Yeah. Not a a fan of Pippa. No. So... um, Even Silver calls her a crazed fanatic. Yeah, because she is. So, speaking of Silver... Agent Silverbow is waiting for Sophie outside of the death camp, and it's their ride. And it's not just Sophie and Emil, it's Sophie, Emil, and 12 other children that That were in that death camp. Emil convinces Sophie to take. Look at that natural-born leader. I know, he wouldn't leave without them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't blame him. No, not at all. When someone goes through something like that, you know, speaking of death camps, if Aelin could have gotten the rest of the rebels out of... Um, in Dovier, she would have. So well, that was her plan. She was yeah. going to go back and save all of them. That's true. And hair of fire, and she finds out that the king went and killed everybody in all the death camps. Spoiler alert for Throne of Glass. Hey, you've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, apparently it's not just Crescent City spoilers, but it is Massiverse spoilers. True. Um, so we learn in very early that Sophie is a half Thunderbird. Which, essentially, the Thunderbird abilities, they can siphon electricity and first light and use it as their own, which is a pretty mm-hmm. badass power. And they right. were hunted to extinction by the Asteri, yes. her favorite little intergalactic parasites. Mm-hmm. Spoiler! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'm not going to say that every time there's a she spoiler. Is. I will. I will. I'll, I'll <laughs> try to refrain myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the evil little Asteris... 
um, decided that the Thunderbirds were too much of a, what would you, too much of a threat. I mean, yeah. you can't contain them, you can't control them, um, and decided that they were going to hunt them all down to extinction. They could not live anymore. And somehow Sophie's great-grandmother was able to hide, and she married a human, mm-hmm. and the powers were gone until they were reborn in Sophie. And, and potentially a mill. Yes. Um, according to Sophie, she told the rebels and Pippa that Emil also is a Thunderbird and that he is even more powerful than she is. Right. And But how much of that was Sophie, again, manipulating Ophian? Because we see throughout that first prologue that Sophie did nothing but manipulate Ophian. Right. Right. To, it took her three years, and mm-hmm. it took some crazy information, but all she did was manipulate them to try and get her brother. That's the whole reason she's in this. Right. So, how she's much done that, everything for her brother. Right. Was so, her trying to make him a bigger asset than Right, because is. if he was just a plain human, or even have just a little ounce of magic, would the rebels have thought he was important enough to rescue out of the camps, or would they have let him rot? They've let him rot. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They're ruthless. Right. And they think that they're better than the Asteri. They're yep. no better than the Asteri. Nope. They're fighting for a different cause, but they're going about it the same way mm-hmm. that the Asteri are. Yep. So <clears throat> our little breakout group gets out an Agent Silverbow, who is working with Sophie and is her lover, Yeah. Um, gets mm-hmm. them to a little seaport town called Servast. And the hind has already, they've already spoken that the hind is in the area. And guess who's waiting for them in that little port town? The hind and her dread wolves. Yes. So Sophie decides to give them time to run. And she starts running through the streets while they're trying to get on the ship to leave. And ends up electrocuting a ton of dread wolves. Which yeah, that, go was, Sophie. that was pretty cool. She lured them. Lured them. Mm-hmm. Yes, that word. Because <laughs> um, she, she had studied a map of the city, mm-hmm. or the little port, and lured them into um, a little, what would you call it? Um, it's like a fountain area. Yeah, a fountain there. area, which she had, before they got there, used a little bit of her power of magic to get the water out. And then she fried them. And then she fried them. Yes. <laughs> and Took them down. Then you think that, oh, okay, well, maybe she'll actually make it to the ship. Well, no. Um, she thinks that Agent Silverbow can use his powers. Which, which we're not told what his powers are At yet. the time, but we know what they are because we know who Agent Silverbow is. But we'll talk about that a little later, right? Oh. Turns out Agent Silverbow took a Gorsian bullet to the shoulder, which is a magic stifling bullet. So he couldn't save her. So Sophie gets shot with the same type of bullet. Yep, it pretty much shatters her leg. Yep. So she's down. Um, no more running for her. Nope, and Silverbow's down. Mm-hmm. And then you swap to Pippa's point of view, and there's four Omega ships that are coming to try and stop the getaway. Yes, and they see, what is it, kind of like resembles hands, wings in the water, and it's going from one Omega ship to the other, and it's just completely siphoning out the magic the power in these ships yeah and they talk and about the city is completely being drained of first light yes you can see it from the ships which yes. is pretty cool so and then pippa's point of view um she believes i guess does she know that sophie's been shot with the gorgian 
I think so. Bullet. Okay. Um, because Pippa is seeing everything happen, and then she sees Emil fall to his knees on the boat. Pippa, of course, not sad that she's now lost Sophie, but is pretty ecstatic that now she's got Emil, who is this powerful Thunderbird, and she's like, what an asset he is going to be to the Rebellion. Right. So, Sophie gets dropped in the middle of the Haldron Sea, and that's where the prologue ends. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, the so- Heinz second Mordok is the one to throw Sophie overboard. Yep. Drop her in the sea. So, let's talk about Thunderbirds. Okay. So, they have the ability to siphon first light and electricity, and it's said in the prologue that the first light itself does more harm to the body than the electricity, mm-hmm. but here's yeah. my thought. If they can siphon electricity and first light, what's saying that a Thunderbird cannot walk into that cavern under the Asteri's throne and siphon that power, leaving the Asteri essentially powerless? Oh, no, they definitely could. Yeah. Definitely says could. Hunt can't do it. Hmm, I never thought about that. Hunt and the Thunderbirds share, and we <laughs> learn more about Hunt's abilities, but they share a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why they're trying. They hunted the Thunderbirds to extinction. Maybe that's why they're trying so hard to keep Hunt Locked under up. their control mm-hmm. in any way they can. Right. Whether it's the Halo and the Slave brand, mm-hmm. or just telling him, hey, we're going to kill everybody you love if you don't obey, including right. Bryce. Which is what they've done. Yeah, and now who knows what, he's got the halo back on him, who knows right. what else they've done to him, poor Hunt, poor Rune, I'm so scared, yeah. but, um, yeah, so but it, who's well, saying so that the Hunt third, can't? Right, the third book, we're going to find out more about Hunt, what he is, yeah, his, um, who his father is, and, and stuff like that, and maybe lineage. It's, maybe it has to do with lineage, maybe it's something that the Thunderbirds and Hunt come from the same, same. maybe they're not the same type of veneer veneer but they come from the same lineage Mm -hmm. like maybe it all goes back to thur yeah be interesting to see so do you think emil has powers yes do you think he's as powerful as they say he is i don't know i don't know because like you said he's 13 he's he's been at death camp for three years right he's malnourished he's weak he's um where are my notes here that I put a description of him? He's tall and gangly limbs and bone. Yep. Bones is what what she did, Sophie describes him as. He survived three years in the camp. Which says something in and of itself that he was able to survive three years. There's yes. got to be some kind of magic in his veins. Right. No, definitely yeah. some type of magic. But is he that powerful at 13 years old? I mean... The question is, is he the one who took out the Omega ships, or was it Sophie, or was it them together? Did the Gorgian bullet really knock out Sophie's powers? Right, because you have that, and it's either like the Thunderbird powers, and being able to siphon energy like that, maybe it negates the Gorsian bullet, and Sophie could still siphon and channel. Right. Or... Which is another reason for hunting them down to extinction, because you cannot control them. them. You can't stop them. Or, Sophie had just enough energy left before. I don't know. We're not, it's not really explained like how quickly the, the magic is drained. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe she had enough energy and could do it. Well, she didn't release all of her energy when she fried True. the dread wolves. 
true. So maybe, maybe it's not that the Gorsian bullet could is negated by the energy, but maybe it stopped her from being able to pull it. But what she still had in her body was already she hers. was able to use. That's Personally, I'm on team that they're both Thunderbirds, half Thunderbirds, mm-hmm. and half that, human, half veneer. Yeah, while he was not as powerful as Sophie made him out to be, that maybe he has the potential to be as powerful as Sophie right. made him out to be. Right. But I don't think he is right now at 13. Right. And we do find out in this book that Bryce claims that he is perfectly human, but we know we can't believe Bryce <laughs> on things. She is so good at lying. <laughs> we cannot believe Bryce on anything. At not just lying, but like deceiving and planning and not telling anybody what she's planning. <laughs> like um, who other characters like? <laughs> we know, like on Aylin and Reese. Just so, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I know we talked about this before, but, um, so right now I'm listening to Crescent City and I'm reading, um, House of Sky and Breath. And so it's funny to, <laughs> you know, pretty much go through both of the stories at the same time, but... Um, I just got finished reading the part where, um, Bryce is pretty much leading Hunt Mm -hmm. around the city and he has no idea what's going on and she's just having fun, (laughs) you know, leading him around and he just thinks she's this party girl, you know, who doesn't Mm -hmm. care about anything. Really, she's got all these plans and things that she's working out she's constantly underestimated Mm -hmm. even after she ran through the city fighting demons Mm -hmm. and closing gates and doing the drop with a ghost Mm -hmm. they still underestimate her well except the autumn king i don't think he underestimates her anymore well not anymore he did before because he didn't think that she had any ounce of power right it's kind of like aelin when he her power came from her strength too like she her magic was a big help like she didn't need it right i mean she needs to get it back but she could survive like she could save herself without it same thing with bryce bryce can save herself without that well yeah i mean her stepfather randall i mean taught her to be taught her to be a little baddie you know (laughs) she can she can um protect herself without using magic yeah. She can protect herself the human way since that's the way that she was raised. Yeah. She's so. not raised to rely on her magic. But she's been hiding her entire life. <laughs> entire life. Which. I blame her for hiding from the Autumn King. Also makes me think that he has, that Emil has powers. Because who better to know how to hide magic. somebody with magic than our good old Bryce? And Ember and Randall. Mm-hmm. That's where our sweet little boy is right now. Yeah. So, and I, I wonder and if he needs he's to going stay. To, to play a part, though, in the upcoming Oh, conflict. definitely. I mean, they didn't or just Or Bryce is going to shove him away and try to protect him. Mm-mm. They didn't so? just bring him... Look, Sarah did not... <laughs> she did not just bring him into the story just to shove him back with Ember and Randall true. not to be seen again or to play a part. That's very true. All right. So, team, they both took him down. She has no power left. Like, she's yeah. completely drained. And she was talking about how she used the first light. Because when I first read it, I thought, because, you know, I'm reading it in Pippa's point of view, I thought Emil was the one who took down all of the Omega ships. Yep. And then we got to talking about it, and you were the one that told me 
the theory that maybe Emil didn't or hmm. other than I think they're gonna kill the Asteri somehow yeah they're definitely gonna play a part in it I mean it's it says that Thunderbirds <clears throat> pretty much energy of any type is theirs to command to suck into themselves and use first light and second light then energy of any type yeah they can absolutely drain those batteries oh yeah and then the Asteri would be essentially mortal. Right. Of course they wanted to get rid of all of the Thunderbirds because could you imagine what you could do with not just one Thunderbird, but like... I wonder which world the Thunderbirds came from. Hmm. Which world kicked them out that had Thunderbirds in it? Because I can't think of any power like that in Mm-mm. Accord of Thorn and Roses or Throne of Glass. So maybe a different world. Yeah, maybe a world that we don't know anything about yet. Yeah. Alright, so the remaining chapters, we get Juniper is starring in her ballet, and it's the hottest ticket in town, and Bryce Ooh, and Hunt and Ember and Randall are going, mm-hmm. and we want to take a minute to talk about the art, because we know Sarah did not just throw that in there to say, hey, this is pretty art. Oh, absolutely not. So, that's your subject, dear. Go for it. Oh, my subject have is Cathona, who is the Earth Goddess, with her lover, Solus. Um, then you also have, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, is it Oginus? Oginus. Oginus, who is our Ocean's Goddess. Um, let's see here. So our first sculpture is an unknown sculpture um, that is there of a powerful fey male um he's poised above an anvil hammer raised to the sky lightning from the sky filling the hammer flowing through the hammer <laughs> to a sword that he's making i guess yeah which sword i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't think it's a star sword because i think bryce would have recognized the star sword yeah but we have tons of different swords now that it could be mm-hmm. Also, too, Randall says, oh, that one reminds me of Athalar. And then we get some cutesy little text messages, Aww. some flirty little text messages <laughs> with Bryce and Hunt, which mm-hmm. those are my favorite in books. They, they I are. love reading little text messages in books. Mm-hmm. But. The little back and forth play, and then, of course, Ember. Um, <laughs> Mama Ember is something else, um, y'all. Completely roasting not only Hunt and Bryce's relationship, but Bryce's <laughs> new job. It's like, yeah. well, can't you go back and work for Jessica? Oh. When in Crescent City, she's like, when are you going to stop working for that sorceress? <laughs> and now it's, can you go back there? Because Please. I don't like your father, and so I don't want you to have anything to do with him. Right. Don't work at the archives, because the Bay Archives, because <laughs> your father's in control of that, and I don't want you anywhere near him. Too late, Mom. She's a princess. <laughs> um, but yeah. Too late. <laughs> Grills her incessantly mm-hmm. which is a very like from what we know about ember in crescent city it's a very ember thing to do mm-hmm. mama ember just you know I mean, has to make where point, did bryce no? get it from. exactly <laughs> like that is exactly like where bryce's fire comes from mm-hmm. from the little literal ember yes <laughs> um let's see our second ugh, our second statue is of luna and we're seeing shown that she has a bow towards the heavens, two hunting dogs by her feet, and the stag nuzzling her hip, which they say that Luna is often always portrayed with two hunting dogs um, and a stag, and she's always got a bow with her. 
Sounds like a goddess from... Diana. Isn't yeah. that her name? Yeah, sounds like Diana from... Goddess of the Hunt. Yep, from Throne of Glass. Yes. Who's mm -hmm. related to Aelin, by yes. the way, mm -hmm. in case you need to know that. Yeah, that's exactly who that reminds me of. And it's that's also fitting. I do think it's the same goddess because that Luna is sacred to the shifters, mm -hmm. the wolves especially. And the wolves come from Terracid. And Aurelia in general, like that's where the all the shifters like that have come from. Mm -hmm. Um, it's admitted in this book that they were all Fey, and the Asteri bred certain traits out yes. of them. So, I do think that that is the same goddess, which would be interesting if Aelin pops up in this world because she's got some beef with that goddess. So, Aelin's <laughs> um, got a beef with a she, lot of gods and goddesses. She's at this got point. beef with all of them. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. So do we think like all of the deities from each of the worlds are the same yes i do i think they might go by different names maybe a little bit different descriptions but i think mm -hmm. it's a uh greek god and goddess thing and roman god and goddess mm -hmm. thing i do i do i think they're the same gods okay um our next one we have our freeze um the first one we see is called the first wars um it's army of winged demons swooping down from the skies towards the army below it says, Hell's armies arriving to conquer Midgard. Thus, the seven princes of Hell, which seven, we learn, is a... I have it right here. <laughs> it's a holy She's really number. excited, y'all. Yes. I just discovered this today. <laughs> seven is a holy number or unholy number, depending on who is worshiping. Keep going with okay. your seven theory. No, no, no. Keep oh, going. Oh, keep going. Okay, so we've got our seven circles in hell. We have our seven princes in hell who rule them. You have the seven Asteri, seven hills in their eternal city, seven neighborhoods in Crescent City, and seven planets. And seven high lords. Yes. Just fun fact. Yes. Also, also, <laughs> where, <laughs> where is it? I know I have this note down here. I just showed it to you. Oh. The Asteri symbol has seven stars. Dun da da da. <laughs> a, little, a little number knowledge here, y'all. Yeah. But anyway, so back <laughs> to the first wars. Um, you have thus the seven princes of hell looked in envy upon Midgard and unleashed their unholy hordes upon our united armies. Supposedly that happened 15,000 years ago. Um, is this foreshadowing? All the players in the unfinished games. Right. All the players are back. They're back all right. I mean, they're, the powers from the first wars are being rebirthed into our characters now. And maybe not just the characters from Crescent City. Maybe we're looking at characters from A Court of Thorn and Roses and characters from Throne of Glass. And maybe they're all players in this unfinished game that happened when the crossing happened, when the Fae were originally pulled out of their mm -hmm. worlds through the northern rift because the asteri are awful people stars whatever the heck they are they're they're awful little parasites so yeah i think we're gonna have a similar story to what happened in throne of glass with all the players in the unfinished game and we see that with adis and jezeba jezeba yeah what's up with that yeah talking about Bryce's light and then would never forget that light and how mm -hmm. she's got Queen Thea's light and yep, Rune's because got... because Adius was involved with who did you say it was a queen? Queen Thea. Queen yeah. Thea. 
Um, so from was she from the first wars? Um, yeah, yeah, from the crossing and everything. I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think all of that happened around the same time. Adius is the fifth prince of hell, in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> and Bryce doesn't want her mama to know that she, the prince of hell helped her at all. Oh, no. Which we oh, talked no. about that earlier. Whatever Adius' intentions are, he's still a prince of hell. So, right, so... you still need to be worried about whatever his <laughs> intentions are, because he is still a prince of hell. Exactly. We all get caught up in, oh... Well, oh, he's helping. Yeah, he's helping Bryce. You know, he must be some good. attractive he's male with looking, ice blue eyes looking out for Bryce. Um, he's still the prince of hell. Prince Intentions of hell. aren't there, y'all. Prince of hell, and he's working with Jezebel, who, while she is continuing to look out for Bryce, she also has her own intentions and is still a sorceress and works for the Underking, who we find out in this book is awful. <laughs> also, she turns people she doesn't like into little animals supposedly supposedly yeah <laughs> i mean she threatened um danica danica and all the time and Lahaba and Bri- yeah and... everybody <laughs> she never fell through with her threats but that we know of <laughs> right but yeah they all have their own agendas they're all working towards something and i'm not saying that adis and jessica aren't working against the asteri i do think they are oh yeah i think that's their end game is the asteri but they're also willing to cross sacrifice. boundaries and sacrifice to get there right again Prince of Hell. Mm-hmm. We've seen the other princes of Hell, and they're not that great. Well, they're apparently worse than Thanatos is than scary, right. and the Star Eater. Don't even get me started on him. Mm-hmm. He wants to actually eat Bryce. Yeah, I'm convinced. Yeah. So Prince of Hell. Yes. Okay, we're off our soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> but also, can we talk about how happy I am that Bryce is dancing again? Yes. With Madame Kyra. It's finally allowing herself Kyra. to live and yes. to live outside of, like, the trauma and mm-hmm. guilt and all that that happened to her. So, yeah. yes. Yeah, she was a shadow of herself in we Crescent City. Juniper and Fury blending yes. in together. Aww. Their little Fury. Overprotective. Crazy. I mean, she can't be caught murderous. in alcohol, but, like. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <I> no. <laughs> Maybe alcohol's not the right word, but she has well, alcohol no, like tendencies. That, that's, the, that's the male. Yeah, she has alcohol version. tendencies. Is there a, a female version? Very <laughs> scary, y'all. She yeah. scares crown princes. She scares archangels. Mm-hmm. Jezeba. Like she's scary. Yeah, all of them. We don't really know what she is. No, I told you my theory earlier. I think she's a fury from like Greek mythology. Fury, Hades torturers. That's what she is. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced. Could be. <laughs> Who else could scare everybody like that except, like, a demon from the pits of hell? Yeah. I mean, even Hunt's reaction when he found out that Bryce was friends with Fury. Right? <laughs> Scary. Scare the Umber Mortis, for heaven's <laughs> sakes. Freaking Shadow of Death is scared by this tiny female. Right. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> also, we find out that after the attack on Crescent City, Jezeba cleared out the gallery after afterwards, um, along with the ancient text from... The Great Library of Parthos, mm-hmm. um, which is the few remnants of the human world before the Asteri. Which we don't really learn much about Parthos in this book, so I'm hoping we learn more in mm-hmm. the next one. Because it's interesting enough that it was there and that it had books. I mean, it had The Walking Dead and it had the Book of Breathings mm-hmm. in it. So that's Well, I mean, it had a lot of the ancient text before the Asteri mm-hmm. and that's why they're important because the Asteri have tried to wipe out everything before them yep so quick little finish of our ballet 
Hunt shows up in a suit. Yes. Bryce goes all cross-eyed. Mm-hmm. We find out that Bryce and Hunt have a no-sex pact, which is freaking stupid. Like, <laughs> I get wanting to, like, slow down and, like, take time to actually get to know each other when you're not trying to catch a murderer and having archangels try to kill you. But at the same time, like, come on, y'all. Let yourselves be happy for heaven's sakes. What did you say it was? Was it, did you say seven months? <laughs> yeah. Are we back on seven again? <laughs> um, no, they're, um. They have four months left. Okay, four months left. So the winter solstice. That's what it was, winter solstice. I was trying to find it in my notes, but I'm not sure. So, yes, yeah, they have a no sex pack going on, and uh, Ember <laughs> roast Bryce about it. Then Fury and Juniper roast Bryce yeah, about it. Ember's like, what are y'all? Y'all are together, but not together. We're together, not together. <laughs> well, no. And then, yeah. So, anyways, mm-hmm. um, then Bryce, we learn, has a scar in the shape of a star on mm-hmm. her chest that randomly flares light randomly yeah she can't control it she yeah. doesn't know when it's gonna flare up when it's it tends to do it in hunt's presence which uh-huh. is interesting and then it well, does it in it flares up whenever she's feeling strong emotions yes and she was definitely feeling some strong emotions towards <laughs> when he showed up yep yes she was mm-hmm. um so juniper does great it's standing ovation mm-hmm. and that takes us into chapter two and chapters oh oh sorry before we go into that Pause. i just i thought it was really interesting too um, that Bryce says that she now, because anytime Hunt walks into the room, she can sense him and she knows that he's there. And she says that she has a keen awareness of Hunt's presence by a surge of power in her body. Her magic slash blood answered to his. Because they're Karen up. They're Karen up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might be mates too, but I, I mean, look at Rowan and Aelin. They're Karen up. I'm convinced they are. They are Karen up. I love them. Just red hair, fire, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, it takes us into... So, chapters two, three, and four take place at a house party, or I think I wrote down frat party. Oh, at definitely a frat party. Rune's house. Rune fucking Dan. Rune fucking Dana. <laughs> That's my favorite line. <laughs> <laughs> so, they show up at Rune's, and everybody's drunk and having a great time. Rune and Mark, who is a tech entrepreneur and a leopard shifter, mm-hmm. he is, and he's dating down. our boy Declan with uh-huh. his fancy tech shit. Yes. Perfect. Um, and Flynn and Rune, they're all playing beer pong, and mm-hmm. Rune and Mark beat them. So, uh, Bryce shows up, and she says hi to her brother, yada yada. Typical house party drinking stuff. Mm-hmm. Fury and Fury June. Fury and June are... Um, on the couch. Being cute. Being cute. Having they a drink. Start, they start razzing Bryce about, <laughs> yes, the, about sex the pact. <laughs> and Fury's like, he knows you want to break it. She's like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Let it go. <laughs> and they call her an idiot. And Bryce calls herself an idiot because mm-hmm. she's an idiot. Yes, but like neither of them will admit that they want to break. Right. They're just they taunting wanna... and teasing and right. like walking around the whole situation. Oh, we forgot to mention that Hunt has taken to testing Bryce's drinks for poison. Oh, now, yes, yes. The champagne at the theater mm-hmm. that Juniper had sent, he tested it with a little pill. Oh, and I wish I had written down what she called it, because it was, it was funny. And does it at the party, too. Because I guess he's now worried that because everybody's mm-hmm. staring and ogling Bryce that somebody's going to try to poison her. Which... So our boy goes into protective mode. I mean, somebody might try to I mean, yes, poison her. Absolutely. I she wouldn't even it. take Mama it. Ember's a big fan, though. Right. <laughs> no, I don't think the Autumn King would go so far to have her murdered, even though Not she's the more King. powerful than him. No, he's going to play 
this to... He's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Right. Except Bryce. Bryce is also playing mm-hmm. chess. Because... <laughs> because she thinks like her father, mm-hmm. even though she's never gonna admit that. The big takeaway from <laughs> chapter two, other than that Rune is throwing a frat party, is we find out who the archangels that are yes. replacing Sandriel and Micah are. Mm-hmm. And Micah's replacement is Celestina, who is currently over... Is Nina. it Nina? Yeah. Yeah, Nina. That has like 50 people in it mm-hmm. and is just like a watchdog for the Northern Rifts. And she's like a yeah. puppet for the Asterius. Right, like, right. figurehead, I think is the word they use. Yeah, a figurehead because the question with her is, why are they moving her from such a small province area to now all of a sudden she's going to be the head over Crescent City? Yeah. They're not, I mean, if you think about the Asteri, they're not going to appoint just anybody mm-hmm. over. I mean... You've got Hunt there, you've got Bryce, I mean, you've got all these other powerful people living in Crescent City. That are all threats. Right. All of these people are threats. They're not just going to, they're going to put somebody that they can control. Right. And we learned that they can and that she's, I don't want to say she's worse than Micah because Micah did some messed up shit, but she's not great. She's not great. I mean, we learned why she's doing what she's doing. She's still not great. But she's not great. No. And it hurts my heart for Hunt. Mm-hmm. More so than the stuff with Micah, I think, hurt my heart for Hunt because Hunt really did want to try to be the approachable asshole, not the scary asshole to her. Mm-hmm. And, anyways, and it bit him. It bit him in the ass. He wasn't yes. even trying to be an asshole anymore, and mm-hmm. it bit him. Yep. And Ephraim is going to replace Sandril. We don't know a lot about Ephraim in the early chapters. We do obviously learn more in the later chapters. but mm-hmm. So we've got two new archangels in play. Right, because Ephraim helped... I think it was, I didn't write their names down, but with two other archangels that they looked over a different, um... And that takes us into chapter three. Chapter three! Where Rune Dana knows three things. Mm Mm-hmm. One, he's really drunk. He's high off of mirth, what is it, mirthwood? Yes. Yep, drunk off of whiskey, Mm -hmm. and has a fawn straddling his face. Yep. He's having some fun. She says having some fun, but... Having some fun. Rune's going to town on a fawn and, like, vaguely thinks about... (laughs) His betrothed and Hypaxia. Queen of the Valbaran <laughs> witches. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, probably should feel guilty about this. Hmm, don't really feel guilty about this. No, I don't know that I'd want to cross her though. <laughs> no, she's kind of scary. Yeah. I do like that we learn more about her in this book, but mm-hmm. she's kind of scary. So, a little bit. bit. <laughs> Rune's having some fun with a fawn and in runs Tristan Flynn. Not even phase that there is a fawn straddling Rune fucking Bannon's face. Not even Facebook. Hey, man, get your sword. We gotta go. We gotta go. There's a storm circling, and Dex Fancy Tech shit has caught it, and we don't know what it is, but we gotta go. And the poor fawn. The poor fawn. She's, like, super embarrassed, obviously. Mm-hmm. But Rune grabs the star sword and runs downstairs, and then That's... he also knows three things. And it ends with there being a female in the doorway. Yes. So now we have Hunt, Bryce, Rune fucking Dannon, Deck. And Flynn, gathered, lined up, ready to face off. And Fury's mysteriously gone MIA for the time being. Yes, well... Gotta hide Juniper. Yeah, hiding Juniper. (laughs) Juniper cannot be anywhere near danger. No, she's too good for that, (laughs) y'all. So, we've got our powerful group, and Mm -hmm. then you have... Rune's cousin Cormac standing in the doorway. And Cormac is the same cousin that got mixed up in Rune's ordeal for the Star Sword. Yes. And almost killed all of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who who was it? Flynn? Was it Flynn Flynn that got stabbed and almost died? 
I think so. Was it Flint? Yeah, it wasn't Deck. It was Flint. Yeah. And he still so, has a scar <coughs> yeah. from it. So this is that same cousin from a Valon. Mm-hmm. And he can yep. wield shadows and fire, and which fire. is interesting. Yes. And uh, he's there mm-hmm. to meet his fiance. Fiance. Who's his fiance? Might you add? Our very powerful Ready for it? Princess Bryce Quinlan. Who promptly puts that bastard in his place. <laughs> but the whole time, <clears throat> Cormac is just manipulating them. So yeah. Bryce shows him that she is... Actually has the star one powers. So, <laughs> poor Hunt. Like, Hunt's trying to be all big and bad, but then you get his point of view and he's like, freak the fuck out. He's like, <laughs> panicking. He's like, oh no. It, it, what, what are we going to do? Yeah. And Bryce is like, hmm. Yeah, no, not going to happen. Yeah, nope, not going not gonna to do it. Um, <laughs> y'all, I read her scene, like, where she, like, cuts him to pieces, like, three times last night, where it was like, um, I know you want to play Broody Prince, but do not fucking interrupt me again. <laughs> yes! Also, what do we think about the whole thing with the phase? Um, where is it? That fey females belong to the fey males. And so the fey males are the ones who, like, so her father and Cormac's father are the one who decreed their marriage. It reminded me of the Illyrians, actually, a lot. And, um, I mean, we do know that the Autumn King and Avalon, that the Avalon fey stem from that world. Mm-hmm. So it, it does remind me a lot of the Illyrians. But we also know that they're all set in their old ways. Mm-hmm. So... Yes. It's a load of shit, and Bryce obviously is not right. having any part of it. Oh, but, like, how great is it for the Autumn King to just, like, get rid of Bryce like that? Like, his his greatest, one of his greatest threats. Um, and, like, oh, let's just marry her off, and then she'll go to the, um, where is he from? Avalon. Avalon. Yep. Yeah. She'll just go to the Avalon, and she'll stay... Far, 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 away. far away. And I believe Bryce later in this will book. will never stay far, far away. Yeah. Um, the Autumn King says he's trying to protect her by doing that. Which again, he's playing chess. He's playing chess, so. He thinks Bryce and Hunt together are a threat. And Bryce realizes oh, that. They are a threat. Absolutely. And Bryce realizes that in this chapter. She says that she needs to figure out what a Valen gets out of it. And what her father has playing at it. Um, right, yeah, she's like. What is the Autumn King's plan? Right. And one other thing that I do want to touch on is this, is Hunt looks at Rune when Bryce shows her starborn power. Hunt looks at Rune and expecting to see a wounded male and expecting to see someone that is beat down, but all he sees is Rune shining with pride. Is this all Rune's ever wanted? Is mm-hmm. for Bryce to succeed. And it makes my little heart so happy. Also, Bryce Talk. start talking during this whole encounter with Cormac. Uh, which we find out sword. that Cormac's shadows are wilder <laughs> than Rune's. Yeah. So, I don't know if that makes him more powerful or just... I don't know. Uncontrolled, maybe? A little maybe. bit less controlled? Maybe. I'm going to go with that, because Rune's pretty freaking powerful. Yeah. And I mean, Cormac can... He's got two different elements in him. He's mm-hmm. got the shadows and the flames, but... Know, Which I'm gonna say, we know that hmm. Rune can do a little bit of star yeah. light, but not much, and it gets like a Bryce, horrible, yeah. horrible headache afterwards. <sighs> yeah, 
Um, so Bryce and Rune start talking about the star sword and how it sings for her, and Bryce is like, mm, no, that's yours. Yeah. I don't want like, it. I don't want it. You take it. Which makes me think she's going to come back with Truth Teller. Mm. And when the dagger and the sword are put back together, their people will no longer be divided, and I think she's going to walk back from Prithian with Truth Teller. Because it's going to sing for her. Hey, just. guys. Spoiler. <laughs> See, she said she wasn't going to do it anymore. Spoiler. <laughs> um... But after Cormac leaves, everyone proceeds to try and get their buzz back, and Bryce and Hunt... Get their buzz back, and then others are like, you know what? Well, we're gonna This go. is too much. I'm going home. After Fury threatens them all within an inch of their oh, life, yeah. if they post anything... Do not anything. tell anything, because now Bryce <laughs> is freaking out about um, Ember, Ember and Randall finding out, and she's like, I've got to get them out of town before they hear anything of this. Which, again, understandable, because <laughs> Ember... Ember's character reminds me of Ember from the new Pixar movie. I don't know if you've seen that. No, I haven't. Okay, well, you need to watch it, and it's going to remind you of Ember. (laughs) Um, So now Bryce has to come up with some elaborate scheme to get them out of the city. Out of the city before they hear any kind of news about it, because she knows that this is going to be all over everything as soon as it gets out. The super powerful, magical, starborn princess is Yes, she's got the power of the first starborn in her to the crown prince of Avalon, they who they're cousins, but her very and, distant. Yeah, but Rune and Cormac are like first cousins on his mother's side. <sighs> but like being that, yeah. that Rune and Bryce are half siblings, yeah, makes her and Cormac very distant. Something about cousins. the Some, king's mm-hmm. line crossed with theirs many many years ago. Yeah, um, seems like a throwaway line. Will be interesting if we learn more about that cross, that pairing, right. maybe. But should we also? Can I give another? Do we? We talk about silver and who he is nope go for it Do we say who he is nope go for it okay so you're gonna say spoiler alert uh, spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> um cormac is we learn later on is spoiler ready silver bow agent silver bow okay he's a rebel he's a rebel okay he's still a dick though don't get her don't get it mistaken yeah yeah <laughs> still an alpha hole yeah. Um, but anyways, I thought it was very interesting. So when he comes through that door and the description of him, he's described as being, he's blonde, tan face, light brown, dead eyes, lack of feeling in his face, and he's humorless. Okay. Do we think the reason he now has dead eyes and a lack of feeling in his face is because he was unable to save Sophie? Who we believe we're lovers. Yeah. And that that's why. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that would do that to anyone. And I also, but I also think it's a mask that he wears. Because oh, yeah. I think a Valon is supposed to come off as cold and mm-hmm. unfeeling. Well, At I, least a little bit we know about a Valon, which I'm really hoping mm-hmm. in the next book we learn more about the right. Valon Fae. Yeah. Because I, they've got to play a part in it. Yeah. They mentioned too much in the first two books that they're not going to play a part right. in something. Right. So, um... I do think... I have a theory about that. Yeah? Go for yeah. it. Um, I think Rune's mother, because we know that she comes from there. Um, I've heard a bunch of other people have talked <clears throat> about this. I think you know what I'm yeah. about to say. Um, I've heard a lot of other theories about it, and I love it. Um, that his mother is either... I think it's more that his mother is um, Reese's sister mm-hmm. that was supposedly killed that somehow his mother and his sister instead of being killed 
are now in Crescent City. That yeah. Tamlin had something to do with getting them out. And as much as I like that theory, and as much as like I want that to be true, I don't think it is. I know. I, I don't think it is, and it just stems from usually when Sarah, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I'm all for it. I just, their heads were sent up the river in a box, and they could have been glamoured, and Reese could have been too distraught to know they were glamoured mm-hmm. or to recognize the glamour. Um, so, I mean, it's possible. Tamlin could have glamoured the heads. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I mean, Roos, Roos. If not, they're definitely somehow connected. Absolutely, because... Because Rune and Reese Look a lot alike. Yeah, are pretty much... Pretty much identical. I mean, they've got the same... Right, they've got... I mean, the only thing different (coughs) is... um, Rune is not a bad boy. No. But... He's not a bad boy. He's got... He's a shadow daddy. He is a shadow daddy. Um, With tattoos and piercings. And he can mind link. Yes, he does have... What? A lip ring? Yes, Courtney. He has a lip ring. (laughs) Courtney likes the lip ring. What can I say? So, Bryce and Hunt go home, and on the floor is a bleeding Ethan Holstrom. Yes, and before they get there, Bryce starts having a little bit of, like, she gets triggered. Panic having, attack. Uh, yeah, a panic attack, because she comes home, her door's open, she smells blood, and all of a sudden, she's back in her old apartment's hallway with the, all the blood and when she found the pack. Yep. And Hunt is able to get her bring her back and get her out of that but yeah it ends with ethan on the floor bleeding bleeding good old ethan we go into chapter five which is our boy therian and uh he's done pissed off the river queen again again and he's being punished for it penis in his pants nope he decided to get he decided to have some fun with the river queen's daughter (laughs) (laughs) it ended up becoming a prince in training because of it Mm -hmm. and returned to the river queen which that's interesting in this book I'm going to kind of segue, and you and I haven't talked about this a little bit, but you've got Rune, the mm-hmm. crown prince of the Fae. Then you've got Cormac, the crown prince of the Avalon Fae. You've got mm-hmm. Hunt, who is a mate of a princess and now a prince of the Fae. You've got Therian, who is a prince of, or a prince in training. It's a lot of princes. Of the yeah. Folks. It's a lot of princes. Just Yeah, I didn't think about that. And then that. you've got a princess. I mean, it's just, it's just something I thought about. It's just a little mm-hmm. interesting little tidbit. Yeah. So... You've got Therian, who is now being punished and going to the northern part of the Haldron Sea to look for our mm-hmm. Thunderbird, Sophie. Sophie. They're looking for a body. Yep. Because yeah. how the queen found out, he does. He has no idea how the River Queen finds these things out, whether it's through her sisters or if it's just that the rivers whisper to her. Um, but she found out about that Sophie was chained um, to lead weights by the hind and dumped into the sea. Mm-hmm. And so she sends Therian off to find her because apparently dead or alive, Sophie is an asset. Right. Supposedly. And she wanted her body. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we get to see Therian struggling on a ship, getting nauseous, a mermaid getting nauseous. I found that funny. Yeah, it was funny. Um, and then they spend, what was it, three and a half hours looking for Yes, Sophie's scanning body? the bottom of the ocean floor, looking for her body. Yep. And uh, they didn't find it. They find no body, but they find the lead weights. And the there. shackles were unchained. Yes. Which nobody else noticed besides Therian. Right. So he reports it back to the River Queen, and she's as hateful as ever. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that, 
the interactions with the River Queen and Therian in this book are just, she is awful. Yeah. And uh, Therian gets out, but at what cost? Which we'll, we'll learn more about that cost in the mm -hmm. next book. But yes. it's like, I want to know more about the House of Many Waters. I want to learn more about like how everything works yeah. within there a little bit more. But she's awful. Yeah. And the River Queen's well, daughter is a crybaby and manipulative <laughs> and just yeah. trash. Jealous. She gets jealous of Therian all the time. And uh -huh. so then because she gets jealous, um, he gets punished by the River Queen. Um, but also then at the end, the queen orders him to find Emil. Yep. So now you've got Agent Silverbow or Cormac, who mm -hmm. has some part with Emil. You've got Therian and the River Queen that are all going off this 13-year-old kid that just spent three years in a death camp. Right. So he's out. He's And you've got Pippa. Protection. Yes. The rebel humans who are no better than... Um, we learn a the lot rest about of the Pippa Baron. in this book. And she is freaking ruthless. Mm -hmm. Like, you think, and the Asteri are too, but like, Pippa's, like, she's willing to do anything to meet her goals. So. Right. Which is why I say that they're no, they're no better than the Asteri. No. Like, the rebel cause probably start. I mean, just any cause starts off usually as a good idea with good intentions, and then they end up the rebels here you see like especially Pippa like she's become just as ruthless and cruel as the Asteri to do anything to at any means for her cause yep and but you also see too like everybody everybody how do I put it everybody is gathering up their forces and they're all preparing for something you know, we do find out that the war in Pandora is getting worse. Yes. We find that out very early in this book mm -hmm. and that Fury is worried because Valbarin or Valbara is full of resources and everything that they'll need. And so maybe they're all readying themselves for that conflict to finally make its way over right. here. I mean, we don't know much about the wolves right now um, because Danica is gone and of course Sabine is not going to tell anybody, evil right. woman. But we um, can make a pretty good judgment call that that Sabine's they're also um, in the loop trying to, you know, do things. Um, then you've got the River Queen. You have, um, you have the Autumn King. I mean, everybody is. Yeah. Everybody is preparing for something. Which, it'll be interesting in the next book to see. They talked about it in like the the freeze where they talk about our united forces in that first war mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see exactly who unites in this war if it's all of them or if some people unite with the asteri right. like once they find out because i think when bryce gets back she's gonna shout it from the rooftops what mm -hmm. they're doing yeah so because it'll be interesting spoiler. to see um where it falls out spoiler alert bryce finds out what sophie <clears throat> knew we won't tell you yet what Sophie, right? The information Sophie knew, but Bryce learns it. We will thoroughly dissect that later in a podcast. Yes. But yes, well, um, thanks for listening to the first Page Wonders podcast. Yes, we've reached chapter five, and yeah, that those are our thoughts on the first few chapters of the book. Some of our theories. So if you um, want to join us next time, we'll um, make sure we tell you what chapters we're going to be reading and talking about. And mm -hmm. again, thanks for wandering through the pages with us. Yeah. Thank you.
Bye, friends. Bye, friends.